0: Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Wanted to tell you about House of Carbs, hosted by one of my best friends, Joe House. I've known him since 1988, and the entire time I've known him, he's been very, very hungry. And now he has a chance to host a podcast about being hungry. All the things that make him hungry, the food that he loves, it is a podcast by the Hungry for the hungry and it's not your typical foofy food podcast where they're talking about foie gras and all that stuff no no we're talking about diners we're talking about fried chicken sandwiches pizza slices best chinese food everything you everything you talk about with food is on this podcast and with great guests like david chang uh chris bianco Jimmy Kimmel, a bunch of people coming up. All of them love food. Nobody loves food quite as much as Joe has. But listen, check this out. Subscribe right now to House of Carbs wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, guys? This is your girl, WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks.
1: Hey, this is WWE superstar, Braun Strowman.
2: My name's
0: Kevin Owens. I'm a Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening to The Masked Man Show. And you are listening to The
1: Masked Man Show. And you're listening to The Masked Man Show. Yes! Yes! Yes!
0: Yes! 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 Yes!
3: yes. Welcome to The Masked Man Show! It's a beautiful Wednesday afternoon in Southern California. We're part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am David Shoemaker. Sitting across from me, back from the dead, is Dave Schilling. What's up, man? And on the phone, my favorite podcast partner ever, sorry Dave, is uh, Dan St. Germain, uh, co-host of the Rough Hang Podcast and acclaimed Hollywood writer. How you doing, Dan?
1: I'm great. Wow. Total uh, total total heel turn by Shoemaker to open this podcast on his longtime partner. <laughs> a real a real arn turning on Ole to start this off. I'm
2: absolutely <laughs> gutted, man. I can't believe it. Shocked. I lost my Shocked. smile. So listen, uh, man, which this makes
1: he... me uh, which makes me Luger, I think. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of... I, I I appreciate that intro. A lot of people have made Hopefully that. I can talk a little bit better though.
3: Yeah, a lot of people have made that parallel between you and uh, and the narcissist Lex Luger. <laughs> um...
1: we, we do. We well, we're both narcissists that's <laughs> for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get we had both of the same body.
3: This has been a, uh, th- I mean, this has been a a big and sad week in in pro wrestling. Um, Dave and I will will get more into this in a bit, but since we have you on the phone, we lost Bobby the Brain Heenan this week. Um, what 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 are what are your what are your best memories of of uh of the brain, Dan?
1: Well, I mean, I, I will say just about him in general. I think he's one of the few guys, um who could have made it in entered in comedy and entertainment outside of wrestling. I think Bruce Pritchard's one of those people. I mean, I think that we're seeing, you know, Batista is one of those guys, uh, who could have done that. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I think he was a tremendous talent. Um, and, and he really, uh, he, you know, he 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 kind of was. I, I forget who brought this up, uh, and, and it, it may have been you, Shoemaker, but I, or maybe I'm I'm I'm, like, uh, I'm I'm misattributing this to somebody else. But he really was. You know, they talk about like, you know, in, in the Attitude era it was uh, you know, it was it was Rock versus versus Stone Cold Steve Austin or, or Stone Cold or or Stone Cold versus Vince McMahon or at one time it was Sean and Brett and then for a while it was it was Cena and CM Punk or and and really for the eighties it was it was kind of Hogan versus Heenan, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because Heenan would kind of bring these people in. I mean I I guess Hogan Hogan versus Macho too. Um and you know in I, in addition to that he was also doing color. So uh, I think that really you you can't really you you can't um under uh, understate just how important he was to professional wrestling.
3: Yeah, it's totally true.
1: It's and, impossible. It's impossible to understate it.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I I totally agree. It's it's amazing, and I touched on this a little bit in the piece that I wrote. How you know?
1: I'm sorry, overstate. I don't know why it's an understate. It's
3: I always do that too. Uh, but I, but yeah, I touched on it a little bit in the piece that I wrote. But it's it's a, the most amazing people in wrestling to me. A lot of the time are the people that started out just kind of showed up, sweeping the floors or driving people around. Jim Ross is a great example. But even like. You know, a lot of the guys and there there's a lot of guys and men and women in WWE right now, as they're, they're, they're as WWE increasingly professionalizes its product, right? You're trying like hiring guys like Morrow uh for a time and then again and they're trying to hire Mike Goldberg or whatever. It's still like in in a weird way, the people who are best at the job are the people who just have it in their blood, and all they wanted to do was be involved in pro wrestling. And then they figured out their role within that world. And Heenan was one of those guys. I mean, he started out just doing whatever he could. And the fact that he I mean, it was almost incidental that he was like one of the great comic minds of our time. You know, I mean, it's it was it's just really amazing. Yeah, yeah uh, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, if you
1: really want to hear great announcing, it's it's that year that Flair won the Rumble, um, and and Heenan had that. Uh, there was almost like a great B story. You know, they say that in a in a sitcom of of Heenan putting this money on on <laughs> Flair winning the Rumble. Um, and so his whole announcing was this, there was this, you know, this uh, this motivation uh, in all of Hedon's announcing that, you know, like, if Hedon, uh, if, if, if Flair won this money, then Heen was going to, if Flair won the Rumble, then Fle- Hedon was going to win this huge amount of money. Uh, it, it, it's pretty incredible.
2: There's that great moment where Piper um, saves Flair from a beatdown, and Hedon goes crazy, and he's like, everything I ever said about you, Piper, I take back. Oh! It's a DDT! I never thought I'd say this, but thank you, Roddy. It's a kilt. It's not a skirt. It's a kilt. And then of course Piper starts oh, laying into in Flair, in the And then he oh, loses his mind again shirt. and says, I take that back. It is a skirt. It's a skirt." It,
1: Roddy. He's giving it the them. Well, you know truth. It's not a kill, it's a skirt.
2: It's perfect. It's an amazing hour of of uh performance <laughs> and, and layers and nuance and he was incredible and anybody that you put with Bobby Heenan back then got over just because he had so much heat uh and even you know all the old AWA stuff it's all there with a lot of AWA guys maybe you don't see what Vince McMahon was able to pull out of them once he took them from that territory but Heenan had it from from the beginning when he started appearing on television oh yeah totally true
1: it kind of sucks too because you know it, they make a huge deal at a you know and it, it's great what they do with the Ultimate Warrior and Connor's Cure and all the stuff that you know they're doing a battle illness and all this kind of shit but you know like you can't whitewash the fact that like Ultimate Warrior was like really terrible to deal with in the company you know what I mean and was also like kind of a bad worker and and, and was more of a look than anything else and then Heenan dies and they give him maybe like a two minute pass or a three-minute package on Raw, and then, like, just kind of like a minute service thing up top. And I, I don't know, man. I just always get bummed out because I'm like, he was more important than the package they did for him on the show. And I, I, I really wish that they had done more for him. I, I feel like almost that, like, Vince sort of gets nervous because some of these older guys that take longer, that get sick and they take almost longer to go, um You know, like, they they, they get more nervous to honor them for some reason. Uh, Maybe maybe I'm looking too into it, but... uh, And I also feel like that this company, like, if if the company can't find a way to make money off your t-shirt, that they don't, like, do the same sort of lip service to you. Yeah,
2: I think it's more about just, you can sell... Millions of dollars worth of Ultimate Warrior merchandise, sure. but I mean Bobby Heenan merchandise only gets bought by people like us. Well, and he he just was. I mean, he, yeah, you're, I mean he wasn't. He just he wasn't involved with the company, you know,
3: at the, at for his yeah. last years, and and that's I, you know it's kind of like the, the like the you know the boxing thing that you always retire right after your match, whether or not you're going to be done because you just want to like get that in.
2: Right, but you know, like when people are still paying attention to you, sort of, yeah. Um, and let's not forget, Ultimate Warrior was literally on Raw the week before he died. Oh, yeah, immediately the no, day, day before Yeah, true. there you go. Yeah, I mean, it's, but, it's like, it's I a lot of
1: I mean, the guy is an absolute, uh, the guy is an absolute legend.
3: Yeah, no, no, and I, and I think, I, I actually, I agree with you. I think, though, that just like everything else, it, you know, I, I think we'll see more tributes to to the brain, uh, you know, between now and even WrestleMania. I don't, I mean, but. Um, I think, you know, I, I think that it's all about just sort of the lasting impact. And, and I agree that we'll talk more about that video package in a little bit, but, um, it's undeniable that he's one of the most important people in WWE history, as far as people that, that, you know, weren't world champions, um, People that had mostly, you know, mic roles and that kind of stuff. I mean, they're, they're, it's very hard to make the case for anybody except for Vince. You yeah, know, that's as important as he was.
2: I think he defined the role of the the color commentator after taking over from Jesse. He defined the role of the heel manager in the minds of an entire generation. And I think that that kind of heel didn't exist as much in professional wrestling before him. That sort of quote-unquote weasel character... Who had a sense of humor, but was also, you know, dastardly. Like you can, you can trace the 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 Heenan Bobby Heenan character all the way to people like the Miz. Oh sure,
1: Dan, yeah. And uh, it just made you know, seeing him and Gorilla Monsoon interact, it just made you feel good. Yeah, it makes you feel good as a wrestling fan. You know.
2: Yeah, go watch just, some old prime. It gives
1: you a warm feeling. It's like Christmas <laughs> or something.
2: Go watch some old prime time wrestling. I mean that that oh, show so was. Good so different from what they're doing now just in terms of entertainment value
3: um so dan we're going to talk more about heenan uh after we let you go but before we do we have a giant pay-per-view this sunday uh with two not one but two wrestlemania caliber matches um let's touch on those really quickly we got brock lesnar versus braun Strowman and john cena versus roman reigns what what's your level of excitement for these two matches and what's your predictions man
1: um, I uh, you know obviously I can't wait for Brock Lesnar versus Braun Strowman. I you know I I wish that it was at Mania, but I'm not complaining. I, I think I think David, you would say this, and maybe we were hanging out at one point. Uh, you know, you just kind of got to appreciate you know that uh, you know probably the best pay per view of the year isn't going to be WrestleMania. It's going to be one of these smaller pay-per-views and maybe that's what it'd be. I think last No last, No Mercy it was AJ winning the title. So maybe that's going to be this this year. It's going to be Braun winning the title. I, I certainly wouldn't be shocked if that happened. Um, it's, it's, just a, it's just a story that WWE is awesome at telling. Two big badasses who are going to tear each other up and who look awesome in the ring and who are really fun workers. And you have Paul Heyman, in the middle of it, uh, you know, telling each other, if you know, how they're going to beat each other up. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think it's just going to be a really fun, great show. And, you know, I think that they're going uh, to, th- I, I think, I think the last couple, like, main events that Brock has been in, Smojo match was pretty good. I mean, I wasn't, like, blown away by it, but the that fatal four-way was incredible. Brock worked his ass off, and Braun was the breakout star of it. So I'm hoping this is just as good I uh, I, I I don't I, I, I really hope that Braun doesn't lose clean. Um I, I, I think I hope it's either like a double it's a like a double count out or it's uh or 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 Braun goes over. I don't think that Brock loses anything if it goes over. Um Um, But you know, again, I I still don't see this whole crowning of the Roman Reigns thing that everybody else that they seem hellbent on. But I I don't think that anything is going to get in the way of that, um, at least until there's a real management change at top. But you know, I'm just a smart mark fan, (laughs) speculating on the dirt sheets. I I guess when I say
2: that, I think there's a universe where Braun Strowman wins the title. At the pay-per-view and it's Strowman, Reigns one more time. I mean, I I would love that, but maybe it doesn't pop for a mainstream audience the same way that having Brock Lesnar against Roman Reigns again is something that people would pay attention to more. I, I don't know, but I would rather see that blow off and see Reigns get the belt that way.
3: Yeah. If you're determined to get to, for the uh-huh. sake of argument to get to Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania it certainly would be a much more interesting road if Strowman wins the belt for a month or for two months you know and let 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 Brock just disappear and come back with a fury at the Royal Rumble or something and reclaim the belt and you know go on to fight Roman Reigns at WrestleMania just i mean something to uh, it, it's, it's it's something that feels a little bit less you know monotonous not it, that i'm yeah. but i'm i'm enjoying the ride right now i don't want to complain um
1: yeah have him win the rumble, have Lesnar win the rumble. I mean, it'd be fun too to watch Lesnar throw a bunch of people out of the ring
2: yeah, well that's you know that's this always fun, is, yeah, that goes without saying that's my favorite thing in the whole world so <sighs> so do you do you did you actually make a pick in there dan or are you, are you i mean do you what what do you
3: think's going to happen?
1: Yeah, I know I didn't really make a pick. you're no. not
3: obligated to, but I, the,
1: you I, my pick is still Lesnar, I think Lesnar's going to go over. I mean, my, I thought that Strowman was going to go over the Fatal 4 way, so I'm going to say I'm going to say Lesnar and be pleasantly surprised if it's Braun Strowman
3: Alright, what about John Cena versus Roman Reigns? What, do you, what What's your feeling about that one, man?
1: I think it's going to be Roman Reigns Yeah
2: There's a better story to be told if John Cena wins and then you do the rematch, but you guys are right, we know what's going to happen It's a shame he <laughs> I thought Roman's promo <laughs> I thought Roman's promo on Monday was pretty good and I, one of the more relaxed promos he's ever given. I, I totally agree with you, Dave. I think that I yeah, I think that this is one of those situations where like it feels like every feud
3: that that should be a one and done, like, you know, Bray versus Finn or something gets stretched out over months and every feud that like could could really tell a good story over a 4-month period you just gets shotgunned to the end. You know, it's yeah. just, they're just going to have Roman go over and then try to convince us that was important on Monday night. Oh. Um We'll see though. We'll see though. Fingers crossed. Um, I,
1: yeah, I don't. I don't know. This this whole feud between them has been like. Uh, it's it's been so weird. I don't know. You know, like it it, it seems like it, it's they're almost like trying to do the Cena thing where they're it's like we're breaking the we're. uh... We're, we're, we're we're breaking we're we're breaking the we're breaking the fourth wall. Like nobody cares. It's like you guys are kind of bull It's one thing when the punk has seen cena thing where they're like like oh pipe bombs. It's like it's not really it, it's not really um it's not really a pipe bomb. You know yeah like it's it's heavily um, scripted I really entertainment. Know, I, I don't know. It's it's heavily yeah. scripted
2: entertainment where you know those two guys don't oh. actually hate each other. So it's hard as a fan either you know a, a regular fan or someone who is an obsessive like the 3 of us to really buy into the animosity that they're trying to to project because it just doesn't they don't have that chemistry that Punk and Cena did where they were so opposite and so different and you could see a world where they just plain didn't like each other and didn't socialize because they were so different sure
1: yeah, yeah. I was listening to Tony Giovanni's podcast today. It was that one that they did about the uh, the uh, the Four Horsemen, and they were talking about when, um, what's it called, when the Freebirds and the Four Horsemen went together, and one of the biggest problems was that they were too much alike. Yep. And I think that we're seeing a little bit of that with CNN Reigns now.
3: Yeah, it's also what's really intriguing about it. Um, again, we'll talk more about that in a sec. Uh, Dan, thank you for calling in. Do you have thank any, you. Do you have any... I just
1: want to mention: Are we? Are you guys going to talk about the fact that it's the first time in history that there was a woke wrestling crowd chant last night <laughs> when they said that's too far when <laughs> Jinder, Jinder Mahal brought up Mister Me? <laughs> when Jinder Mahal, I've never seen a wrestling crowd. Uh, turn on somebody for being racist. I, I was so proud of a wrestling crowd.
2: Bunch of cucks up there in the Bay
1: Area, man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, <God. laughs>
1: oh, right. Uh, yeah, we're just, it was we're, crazy. I was like, I can't believe this is happening.
3: Yeah, I think on the... It, seemed, it felt like the, the the chants weren't quite as prevalent on the Hulu version. Um, but but uh, <laughs> I, I, I didn't have the... I don't have the frame of reference here. But it was a really incredible promo. We will talk about that a little bit later on. And... Uh,
1: well, uh, I really miss you guys. I miss coming on the show. It's been a while, and uh, I miss you guys a lot. You so. just need
2: your show to get canceled. Don't do don't, don't yeah, such well, bad things. you know,
1: uh, maybe I'll get fired. Um, but uh, uh, check out Rough Hang. My podcast this is with Mike Lawrence. has been on the show. And, uh, yeah, I'm around, guys. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> around.
2: Well, we'll see yeah, you soon, I'll man.
1: Leave. Please call me. I I'll t- I'll t- I'm looking forward to Sunday. Hopefully, yeah. I'll see some of you uh, maniacs there. All, All right, right, man. I'll Bye.
3: see you then. Thanks for calling.
0: Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I want to tell you about the Ringer's Gambling Podcast. It is called Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. And you're not going to believe this, but it's hosted by Cousin Sal, the biggest degenerate gambler that I know. He's such a degenerate. He has three other degenerates that he calls the degenerate trifecta. And they break down every conceivable gambling thing you ever want to gamble on. They even take you to Captain Morgan's make-believe casino, where Sal makes up props on, on all kinds of things, sports, pop culture, you name it. You are going to want to get your gambling advice from these guys. Cousin Sal, he's been a staple on the BS podcast for the last 10 years. So good that we gave him his own podcast. Check it out, Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Oh, uh, that was the narcissist Dan St. Germain. Thank him
2: for. Uh, thanks to him for calling in. I enjoyed that we brought up Lex Luger. And Bobby Heenan in the same segment, because if you remember when Lex Luger came into the WWF, Bobby Heenan was the one to present him as Narcissus. And they did a big reveal where he comes out behind a curtain and he's wearing some goofy silver outfit.
3: Yeah, there were a lot of managers back in those days that seemed like even as a kid, I felt like they were unnecessary, you know, I mean, or like. I don't think you have to ma It has to be a perfect match of man of like types between manager and and client, um, but like you know, I mean, there were guys like guys like Jimmy Hart who I love and had you know has a wonderful place in my heart and memory. I mean, he he was just an irritant, right? I mean, he was there to kind of like to like turn up the volume on on the heel heat, but he wasn't necessary to the Hart Foundation. And right. the way that someone like Bobby the Brain Heenan was like, he was. Um, you know, I was talking about this to the to when we were doing the Andre documentary. That like when 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 Andre turned on Hogan, it was necessary to bring Bobby the Brain Heenan out to make the point that he would he was not just like angry at Hulk. He was he had turned to the side of evil, right? And uh, I wrote about this too in a little bit of my piece. You know, there's like I think I said there's like the stages of the cross of a heel turn. You know, there's just like the telling fans to shut up, there's like, you know, shoving or a big, you know, super kicking your partner. Taking the dump on the town you're yeah. in. <laughs> exactly. There's lots of different, there's there's lots of minor ways, but aligning with Bobby the Brain Heenan is, is like the most, in those days, the most heelish thing you can do. And the way, the fact they even used him for like almost an, like an accent, and, he, and, and not to diminish his significance, this is actually in support of it, but like you were saying with Lex Luger, he was just sort of like, Or or with with uh, Rick Flair was another one. Obviously, he had a deep relationship, you know, on screen. But still, it was like Flair didn't need him. I mean, Flair was a great talker, and and one of the interesting things about Heenan is that some of his best, his most memorable partnerships were with guys who were talkers. He wasn't just doing the old manager thing of like I'm going to talk because this guy doesn't have a scary enough voice or you know he's a monster. But guys like yeah, like Flair, like Rick Rude, like Nick Bockwinkle back in the AWA. These are guys who could really talk, and but but Heenan just like. Uh, I don't know, he
2: was just still so central to the presentation. He was good at working with someone as opposed to sucking up all of the oxygen. And I don't know if that necessarily makes sense, but in the way that like an improv group has to all work together to make a good product, you put Bobby Heenan with Mr. Perfect or with Rick Rude and it it doesn't diminish from that person being a great promo. Sure. It almost, it takes them to, the, to another level. Mm-hmm. And I think he served that purpose that Later on, Jim Cornette would serve in the WWF that then Vince would serve. Vince was basically a manager. He was basically Bobby Heenan. And if you sided with Vince McMahon, you were evil. Yeah. Didn't matter who you were. Um, I
3: want to talk a little bit about the promo package for Monday. I I mean, I thought it was really good in its way. It was incredibly funny and really well put together. I think uh, a lot of people have made this point. Friend of the show, Zach Linder, I believe is the one who texted it to me. Um, It was a little bit just one dimensional. You know, it was just sort of like a comedy tribute and when in fact he was uh, I mean obviously one of the probably the funniest person ever to be involved with pro wrestling Um, all apologies to Santino Morella but the uh, but it was it it seemed to give short shrift to his managerial work to his more serious stuff you know and and, um, I don't know that WWE is honor bound to include like his wrestling work from back in the day or even just anything prior to WWF But it does seem like that a tribute like that sort of, you know, you want to go a little bit broader, a little bit deeper than what they than what they gave us.
2: Yeah, I saw a uh, TMZ video where the their, their uh, I guess, reporters, I don't know if you call them that, uh, approached Triple H somewhere, and uh, they asked me about Bobby Heenan, and he's like, that guy could do everything. He could wrestle, yeah. and people don't talk about the fact that he could take bumps and he could work matches, and he was as good as anybody else in, in telling a story inside the ring as opposed to behind a microphone. Sure. I mean, his famous line was, you wrestle like a manager and manage like a wrestler.
3: And I think that, uh, you know, his his ability to... Like his 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 ring work was was I mean really phenomenal in its way. Um, Certainly, like by the time he was in WWE or the WWF, you know, we're talking about the you know weasel suit matches and stuff like that. Uh, More of a comedy profile, but um, yeah, he he was just he was just so amazing. I mean, there's it's it's impossible to do him justice. One thing I wanted to talk about uh, again, the thing I, I wrote about in my tribute to him was how important his commentary was. Um, just in the in in the way that it sort of took the piss out of the entire product at a, at a moment when wrestling was more and more openly fake. I it, it it's hard to it's hard to to downplay how important it was. It is to have somebody sitting in the announce booth and kind of like calling bullshit on everything. And he wasn't breaking kayfabe, but because he was working that famous heel manager stick, um. You know, so somebody would get tripped by a, by the manager and he'd be like, oh, his knee gave out, you know, <laughs> or like, so whatever, like he, somebody would do something illegal and he would just call it a different name and make it seem like it was okay. That sort of like, you know, counter history, alternative history. I thought, I mean, in retrospect, it was like so important because it actually weirdly legitimized wrestling by, by making it seem like we were all in on the joke. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean he's he was just he was just so so important and and um there's so many tributes around the web. Rosenberg, who by the way, Peter Rosenberg, uh shout out to him. He's had a little uh had a little sudden surgery. Um I think he's doing okay. The surgery went okay. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin attacked him with a bedpan afterwards, which was really <laughs> awkward. Uh, but his are, nurse was Mick Foley. Yeah. Um, the but shout to Peter. I hope you're doing great, man. But Peter wrote a really good uh, tribute to the Brain on ESPN. Um, but that's not the only one. There was uh, the Deadspin piece. Uh, that I think Bixenspan wrote was really good. There were all over the internet. There was like really good um, uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan tributes and and you should just go read them all you should also go just watch lots of bobby the brain hand footage and i'll say this in defense of wwe's video package when a wrestler dies and i'm writing about them between my like you know between my memory and 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 you know some some uh deep dive into just like their their careers, you can sort of like watch the entire you can watch all the important matches of a wrestler's career in a few hours, right? I mean you can sort you can fit you can find the moments and go to them. For Heenan, with the exception of Ric Flair winning the Royal Rumble in 92, when it was like a solid hour of Bobby Heenan at the top of his game as a commentator. Uh, with the exception, of I mean, th- with the exception of that, it's a body of work. It's really hard to point a finger with the exception of a one-liner here and there and saying like that is the thing that Bobby Heenan is going to be remembered for. So I, I mean, when I was writing about him, I just it wasn't even a rabbit hole. It was a gigantic ocean of content, and you just fall in. And there's no single moment that really stands out. I mean, the the moments that stand out, the Piper's Pit, like I said, Rumble ninety two. I mean, they 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 have those, but that's not. Somehow more representative of Heenan than another moment, you
2: know, it's he, everything he did was just so incredible. Yeah, I mean, 92 Royal Rumble obviously is his I think his greatest uh, performance as a color commentator. But then WrestleMania eight, which is the shirt I'm wearing today, uh, that whole thing that he did with seeing the centerfolds uh-huh. and how excited he was to get the goods on Miss Elizabeth. Uh, and then you know you can easily forget that he was in WCW for a long time.
3: Yeah, the story is that he was kind of ready to retire, or at least to be closer to his daughter, and and was going to walk from WWE, and then they made him an offer he couldn't refuse, and and WCW Atlanta was closer to where he was trying to get to. I don't know where his daughter was at the time in Florida, or somewhere like in the south, yeah. Um, but the uh, but um but yeah, he was there for a long time, and that I don't want to go. I don't want to go too meta on this. As a WWF fan in those days, um, I was still very into WCW, but I really felt like I that my own exasperation for WCW a lot of the time was reflected by Bobby <laughs> the Brain Heenan's reaction to stuff because he certainly seemed like he was a lot of times just sort of out on the product before it was before WCW realized that things weren't working.
2: Yeah, I think that was the case with a lot of the wrestlers too. That I was I was watching. Uh, 2000 the uh episode of nitro where vince russo wins the wcw title and everyone from the like the ring announcer to tony Schiavone to some of the guys in the ring were just like this sucks yeah this is so bad and heenan was doing that before they even got to the point like you said where the business was down like in 98 99 Mm -hmm. there's that famous um what was it uh hog wild Mm -hmm. everybody said he was drunk it's like, ugh, it, it was a shame that he wasted so many of his, his you know, remaining years on such a bad product. But you also can say that some of the things that he was a part of would not have been as good without Bobby oh. Heenan, the NWO, Goldberg's ascent. He's the one who started screaming, the man, every time Goldberg came out. And that is a thing that you remember yeah. about Bobby Heenan and Goldberg. Um uh, yeah, I mean,
3: there's so much great stuff. And I I, I mean, I think one of the if you're going to go back and watch Bobby Heenan stuff, one um, Royal Rumble 92, watch it start to finish. I don't think I honestly am not trying to meet. I'm not trying to hot take this when I say that Bobby's performance was probably as impressive as Ric Flair's. I mean, I'm not just a, I mean, I'm not talking about just the physical aspect, although I could not yell at that or talk at that volume for an hour I mean I could probably jog for an hour more than I could like commentate for an hour. <laughs> yeah. Um but the the his performance from start to finish was like just a masterpiece. Yeah. Uh and it was I mean uh, it's it's hard to put a finger on. It. But go back and watch the old stuff because there's like I mean just just him standing outside the ring, just him cutting pro backstage promos. First of all, there's never been I mean there's just something incredibly pristine about when he would wear Like the zip up jackets with no shirt underneath because there was just that little, just little bit of tough guy to him or of overconfidence to him. Uh, And that's part of the managing like a wrestler thing, you know, and he was such a good storyteller in promos. I I said this in my piece. Everything had a purpose in promos outside the ring. You know, I mean, at ringside on the mic when he was doing color. uh, It was it's everything is just just real i mean he was just the, at the height of the craft and and you know it, before he was in wwf there was what i guess they some people call the holy trinity or the trinity of managers that was albano grand wizard and and Freddie blassie all those guys are i mean i could watch footage of of wizard and blassie all day long um but but he didn't redefine it when he came in i mean he he was really um you know, like Dan talked about, the he had that old territorial rest ter- territorial manager significance of he that he was the heel mainstay when you know Hogan would dispatch with the monsters and they would kind of have to disappear. That's you know Heenan was the one that stuck around, and um and so I guess it's you know it was so significant, like I said before, when Andre sided with him, and uh, even more so. I mean, just as significant when Andre turned back babyface by paintbrushing him in the ring. Um, but I guess and and it's you know you got to always got to end with the fact that that he figured out the Hulk Hogan heel turn before anybody else in the world <laughs> did. Hulk Hogan
1: is here. Hulk Hogan's here. Yeah, on, whose side is he on? What are you talking about? Whose side is he on? What are you talking about?
2: Yeah, I I think uh, <laughs> you could you could make an argument that Bobby Heenan was the the biggest heel of that generation. Oh yeah, bigger than Piper, bigger than Savage, um, just because he was. Like you said, the mainstay, he was the one that was there through all of it. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to over, it's hard to overstate
3: it. I mean, it's that he was, he could be like in the case of Andre and with, Andre's not the only example, but it's the best one where he was the embodiment of the the devil on your shoulder, right? I mean, he was pure evil for that, for that purpose, but he was also fully beloved. And again, in a, in a pre, in a, in a kayfabe, mostly kayfabe era, you know, I mean, he, that you could be like, I mean, you don't, if you really hate somebody,
2: you don't want to see him put in a weasel suit, right? You want to see him bloodied, you know? Yeah, or you don't want to see them at all, which <laughs> is something you could say for some of the heels in WWE today, is it they're just a turnoff, and you don't want to be a part of it. That's true. Which is a good segue into SmackDown this Tribu- week.
3: Brain, we we miss you. We already miss you. We've missed you from being on TV for years, and, and um, uh, seriously, nobody ever did it better. But let me, I'll take you up on that segue. <laughs> nice. Um... That's why I'm the best in the biz, baby. On the uh, you really are. On the um on SmackDown this week, I had a couple of moments um that are worth mentioning. We're gonna not spend a lot of time on it because we have a lot of other stuff to deal with. But um Charlotte's our new number one contender for the women's title, which is great. I I uh briefly got to got the the honor of talking with Natty at SummerSlam, and I was just like i was like i don't know i I think it was before match and i was like looking forward to the match i don't know why we're not just doing six months of natty versus charlotte you know because that could just be such an i mean just all the history all the way back history you know whatever um so i'm glad that we have this um, teed up now um but enough about that let's talk about the heels the heel the heel the heel (laughs) of the moment um Ginger Mahal cuts a promo on on Tuesday night at SmackDown in which he goes after uh, goes after Shinsuke Nakamura um in a comical way at first with the faces and everything and then sort of morphs. Can we call it comical? It wasn't funny. Well, it was it was not a, not, not a, deeply <laughs> offensive, all right? Sure. Okay. And, sure. and then I mean I thought it was fine. I thought, I thought it was fine. But then it went into another part where he um did like a like
2: a cartoon like 1950s Asian voice he was like Mr. Fuji for a second
3: yeah I mean the whole thing I mean it kind of went downhill the crowd as as Dan pointed out chanted uh, uh was was opposed to the very character of the promo yeah that's too far was the chant um there's I mean a lot of people are paying attention to this the uh obviously the um Marissa Payne at, at the Washington Post tweet has already tweeted she, that she's going to write a piece about it, and uh, she's great, by the way. If anybody doesn't read her stuff, you're crazy. Uh, but the um, but yeah, it was. I don't know.
2: What do you think about this promo? I think that it was in very poor taste. I <laughs> I don't think I'm alone in that. Uh, I also think that. It was especially bad to do that promo in a place like the San Francisco Bay Area in Oakland where there is a significant Asian population. Uh, I also don't feel like the writers understand quite what they're doing with Jinder Mahal. We talked about this off the air that there's an element of, well, maybe, you know, the the reason why he's a heel is because he's a hypocrite. And you could say that about a lot of people who are, you know... Uh, objectively racist or you know have racist tendencies that they don't necessarily see the the contradictions in their own behavior yeah that's almost too kind. complicated <laughs> okay for a, a professional wrestling story storyline but also it's they don't have the time to really make that uh, explicit because he just comes out he cuts the promo and there's no context for for it except for you know Phillips uh and and Corey saying a few things about it but it's you're not really like sometimes with professional wrestling you have to hit him over the head with a mallet which is going to you know to go back to the Bobby Heenan stuff Bobby Heenan was the mallet that said this is something you're supposed to not like this is something you're supposed yeah. to boo here's the story you don't need to work in subtleties as much in professional wrestling because it's it's grand theater it's right. a circus well
3: you, the, but the subtle part was is would have been the rationale for it right i mean that the promo itself was the furthest thing from subtle so i i think that i think there's a lot of pieces to this one uh racist heels in wrestling wrestling has a long tradition of racist heels even in places where i mean like you know in the the south in the 70s and 80s where you would not necessarily assume if you didn't know what you're talking about that you that they that you know Someone like Junkyard Dog could be the biggest star there. They would have guys like Michael Hayes come in and be racist to him, and that was how you knew he was a heel. Um, that's that's just one example that comes up a lot. But there's a lot of examples, obviously, of like heels being racist people. Triple H basically pulled this shtick at various points in his WWE career. But the but you know, so I don't think that it's it doesn't need to reflect on WWE and particularly on Jinder Mahal, that he cut this promo. He's a heel. He's supposed to be offensive and terrible. Um, that said, there's a little bit of... Um, there's... I mean, to to take another... I mean, to, to reference another, you know, foreign menace heel, there's a little bit of Gender Mahal going on here where they start off with a nuanced but still hateable heel character. And then for no discernible reason just forget the story they're telling and with muhammad Hassan, they're just like oh let's just make him a terrorist i mean that's exactly the opposite of the character he was playing but like the right the writer whoever the creative forces are are like blind to what's actual, blind to the story they're actually telling and then we see this with jinder mahal where he's just like uh, like at its core not too different from the original muhammad Hassan character where he was just like guys like i'm not a bad guy you're just racist right yeah." Now, and that's why you don't want me. And like, I'm proud of my heritage and whatever. And, but, and that, you know, but he's obviously is a bad guy. He's a, I mean, he's working this heel shtick and you don't need him to go in this like arch direction. It does. First of all, is, is there a
2: problem with Jinder Mahal getting heat? He gets more booze <clears throat> than anybody in the company. Right. It doesn't seem like they need more heat. Um. But what you said there is instructive of, I think, what they're trying to do. And maybe they're not as successful accomplishing that as they want to be is, he says he's not a, uh, a racist. He says that he is just proud of his heritage. Right. And where do you hear that all the time? <laughs> From the most racist people. <laughs> sure. I'm just, it's, just not, it's not hate, it's heritage. Yeah. So you can see that working. But for it to be coming out of the mouth of the first uh, Indian uh, Punjabi, uh, you know, East Asian WWE champion of all time doesn't look grace. it'd be one thing if it came from you know the most Aryan looking dude on the planet sure. then it would maybe uh there wouldn't be the cognitive dissonance of us trying to understand what his motivation is yeah and I just think like despite the fact that a heel's saying it like you don't need to give like you know
3: eight-year-olds around the world any license to be like doing like you know, offensive Asian voices, Uh, you know, and and not even that you don't need to give them reasons to reasons to make fun of Shinsuke Nakamura, who you're building up as this big baby face.
2: Yeah, I've been out on the entire idea of every single Jinder Mahal promo is making fun of him because that I don't see how that gets anybody any heat. And I don't I don't see how that makes Shinsuke more of a hero. It just it's it's cutting his legs off when he needs to be strong. Yeah. He needs to look like a badass, like a cool, fun, exciting, colorful character sure. and not a guy who makes silly faces. Yeah.
3: So and and I think this is probably where we should leave it. But I'll, I mean, I think just to put a pin in it. I think my the thing that offended me, frankly, more than just like the racist shit was the fact that it was totally unnecessary. Jinder Mahal is whatever you think about him is doing a masterful job of being the SmackDown champion right now. Given what he's been given and given, like you know where he came from, um, I think that you know you obviously there's a million people out there that are going to take exception to that because we have guys like AJ and and uh, and KO and whoever else on the roster that should that deserve that t- whatever. It, it's wrestling. Titles are fake. Just forget it. Like that's it's. it's it's what he's doing on and in a lot of ways is working match quality aside, whatever else. Um, but, and and just to think that like they needed to do that, whoever thought that, I mean, I guess
2: you, I don't know. It's just, (laughs) it's just unnecessary. It's unnecessary. He's already the most hated guy in the company. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Anyway. Um, now we got to talk about what really matters this week, which is um the Chris Jericho cruise. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're not going to talk Already about Already booked that. my ticket. Um would you is there anything in the world that you would go on a cruise to be a part of? <sighs> no. And not and uh, paying out of your pocket. Not a, not not your employer paying to take you there. Uh
2: here's an idea, the Ringer cruise. Sure. Get get uh, network, get Juliet, get uh Shay Serrano, yourself, you know, all the all the personalities and go on a cruise.
3: I'm sure if somebody offered, you don't even need the cruise. If someone offered us enough money, they could just hang out in the office. I mean, I don't, <laughs> um, it's not like we don't already have some jerks that nobody likes there. I mean, it's fine. Oh my God. I'm joking. Oh I'm joking. God. We're all great. Wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just can't, like, what if, like, the NBA finals were being played on the cruise and you had to pay as a fan, like, a thousand bucks to go watch? I No. No. It or would WrestleMania, be a... Not just a wrestling cruise. What if, like, the Royal Rumble was on a cruise ship and you could pay money to go watch.
2: That sounds horrible. Yeah. But you could hang out with the wrestlers after the show. What if the Royal
3: Rumble was on a cruise ship and it was posi- the ring was positioned so that when you got thrown out of the ring, you got thrown into the water?
2: Well, that seems dangerous. There are sharks out there, man. Come on. <laughs> there, there are sharks. There's, There's sharks. literally John Tenta in the water <laughs> swimming around looking to eat you. Wow. Rest in peace, John Tenta, yeah, too. Yeah,
3: Listen, we have a giant pay-per-view on Sunday. Yep. We talked about it with Dan. Not one, but two WrestleMania caliber matches. Um, And actually, the entire card is stacked as hell. It's really good. I will take exception, continue to take exception, along with The Miz to his placement on various cards. But this angle is great against Jason Jordan, and I'm happy to see them fighting. And that's exactly, on a, in a month where The Miz is not the co-headliner, this is exactly what he should be doing, right? Um. A five-way for the women's championship match that's, I guess, most of the women's division on Raw. <laughs> Mickey James is like, what do I have to do to get booked on a pay-per-view? <laughs> exactly. Um, Neville versus Enzo. Definitely a high-wattage cruiserweight championship match. This This feels like... You know, obviously Enzo's not the best worker in the world, but this this feels like the cruiserweight match that they would save for a Summer Slam or something like that. Yeah, you this know? could be
2: a WrestleMania uh, cruiserweight title match, and they cut a great promo on each other uh, on two hundred five live last night. Oh, really? I missed that. It was really, really good. Um, props to Neville for being one of the most underrated talkers in WWE. Oh, very, very good. Very good. Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt. I, I kind of
3: ragged on it earlier but I mean I love these two guys and like to see them working together and like the the weirdly they have made an angle out of face paint which is not something that I thought they would have been able to do but uh props to Dustin Rhodes for his part in that whole thing and um
2: those are the little things that I like about the booking sometimes is when it's a it's obviously an issue between two people but then you add a third person in there that just kind of like mixes things up, that adds a different shade of storytelling and gives them something to do. And they're doing the same thing with Ty Dillinger yes. on SmackDown. I yeah. think it's a great use of the undercard. Totally agree with that. Um, and then Ambrose and Rons versus um, Cesaro and Sheamus, the bar. And I imagine that at some point maybe uh, Gallows and Anderson get involved in that match. They should, they should have...
3: Gals and Anderson as the special guest referees. Both Ugh. both of them in referee shirts. I like it.
2: Um referee tank tops. Yeah. That'd or be great. they referee as their South regional wrestling characters. Don't you want to see Tex Ferguson and uh, Chad too bad? Yeah. On a uh, WWE pay per view. I really hope they figure those guys out. I mean, obviously they've they've hit a nice
3: little they've hit a nice zone with them of late, but I still think I mean, it's just tough when you look like them, and comedy is your your best skill, sort of. You know, um, I, I mean, maybe they can put the put the you know, pan. They can reseal Pandora's box and make them badasses again. But I feel like you kind of like when it's you too late. Well, you've got to debut them as the as you know,
2: Steve Williams and Terry Gordy, and run with it, or you don't. And they chose Plan B. I mean, they had a, a really good run when they were doing the uh, AJ Styles angle. And then they end up in in doctors smocks and and playing around with Dana. Did Brooke they get and new shirts? By the way, they they see they I, I they get ju- a lot of shirts. They have a lot of merchandise. I, they for must a be. Team they must like feel.
3: Re- I mean, it's uh, all due respect to Finn Balor, who I love and who is the future of the company. <laughs> Gallows and Anderson not having like not getting to do Bullet Club ripoff shirts anymore. If that if that's a decision they've made, is is very unfair to Gallows and Anderson. Because they're losing out on a crap ton of money if they just had anything
2: that looked like because they used to. Yeah, I'm sure they still sell them, but they're not wearing them as much because they get a lot. They have a lot of shirts. Yeah. For a team that's kind of underneath, they have a ton of merchandise. Um, but if you're a, a Bullet Club fan, are you going to buy the fake Bullet Club T-shirt or are you just going to go to Hot Topic and get the real thing? Get the real thing.
3: That's a that's a good point. Um, has anybody made a Wizards Club shirt? Like like the Washington Wizards had to change their name from the bullets because it was too
2: problematic? <laughs> I mean, I think that's a ringer t-shirt that we need the to Wizard sell. The Wizard Club? Wizard Club. That's my club. That's the club that I'm a part of.
3: Uh, so Miz versus Jason Jordan. This is a
2: storyline match, so it could kind of go either way. What's your prediction? It would be, I think, foolish to put the belt on Jason Jordan right now. I think it would hurt the Miz's momentum. I think he's not re- uh, Jason Jordan's not ready to, to have the belt. Uh, he's got to lose in, you know, maybe chicanerous fashion. Yeah, I, uh, I, I agree. I think that and uh, the storyline is not, I mean, is, Kurt Angle's
3: been an important part of it, but unless you're really going, I mean, the, if The Miz loses, then he's got to seek vengeance, and then that sort of subsumes the whole Jason Jordan is Kurt Angle's son storyline. Uh, it seemed, That would seem like a weird choice.
2: I'm with you. Let's go with The Miz. This is just a test of whether Jason Jordan can have a good pay-per-view match. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he's been having some good matches, so yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's give him. Let's. Uh, I'm. Ex- I'm excited
3: about that. Uh, the Fatal Five Way for the Women's Championship match. I mean, it's this could go in a lot of different directions. Obviously, it could go in five different directions. Um, <laughs> yes. Which, I mean? Normally, in these multi party matches, you sort of default to the champ. Yeah. So you'd say Alexa Bliss, although Bailey returning, um, that Bailey hugging Sasha had the entire internet ablaze with. You know, he'll turn imminent uh, chatter, although that's been going on for a while. now, Jax has been on the cusp of, you know, I mean, it's, it seems like that, you know, next champ up for a minute. Um, I, I I mean, if, if I were booking this, I'd put the strap on Emma. I mean, just like <laughs> what a great because it's the one thing people aren't expecting. And oh. and. You know she
2: started the women's re- revolution, so it's just it's her turn. I I gotta say the thing that people aren't expecting is almost never the right choice for booking. Oh come on! Uh, this is a tough one because my inclination is put the belt on Nia Jax and built her up to then be beaten again by Oscar. Uh, but, but I you don't, you have not What are they saying? Two weeks, something like that. I, I think, think she's in two next, weeks. The next Raw pay per view is is going to be I think it's TLC or something, but she's supposed to be there. Uh, that's what I would do. Part of me thinks that um Bailey could win. I mean for for my prediction I'm just going to say Nia Jax. I think it's, it's okay. I think it's it's well past time to put I, the belt on her. I think if
3: I, my prediction is going to be and my prediction would be Alexa just because I think Alexa Asuka is the move. I mean that and if that's going to be if if, if she's going to walk in and be the you know presumptive number one contender and also you can work Sasha Bailey if you want to pull that trigger or you know Bailey Nia Jax as a second secondary match. Um, that said, Bailey, Bailey and Oscar have, you know, the track record of working together. So that would, it would make some sense to, to go that direction too. Um, but my, my predict, if I have to make a call, it's going to be Alexa bliss. Let's move on. Neville versus Enzo.
2: Is, is Enzo going to do it? No. Yeah. No, I don't think that they want to tell the story where he finally wins a belt. I really don't. I think that this is all designed just to get Neville over. Um, over, over, more over than. And than has been doing over. a masterful job of making 205 the, two,
3: the cruiserweight division matter uh, more than it did before. And I, and I, yeah, I, I think that he can continue to do that without the title belt. I'm with you, Neville. On this one, Finn versus Bray.
2: They're making a big deal about it being man versus man, so I'm gonna go with Bray Wyatt because the demon doesn't lose, but Finn Balor does. Wow, that's a good, that's a really good call. Um, I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, does that mean this goes three months are we going to the next pay-per-view I don't think they have plans for either of them so yeah we'll do a third the rubber match I uh, mean, TLC this seems this feels almost like the kind of thing where you just like let it keep
3: going but maybe like bring the Miz into the storyline or bring I mean even you uh, you could even bring Braun Strowman into this. I mean, like, kind of, like, make it a, ch- a title three-way
1: or
2: something. I think it's time for both of those guys to be involved in the IC title picture. I think The Miz has done really great work just helping, a, you know, with people who aren't as over or doing these weird LeVar ball segments and stuff like that. But he needs to have an actual story. All right. You got Bray. I'm going to take Finn. Cool. Uh, just so we, we
3: disagree on That's something. That's a mistake. Uh, and the Shield versus The Bar. What's your What's your prediction on
2: that one? There's nowhere for Rollins and Ambrose to go if they keep the belts. So let's do the switch. I mean, it does feel like them having
3: the belts is a really good look going into it. No Mercy that they're hyping as a major, you know, one of the biggest pay per views of the year. Um, you know, put the belts on these two giant stars, and that's a, it just, you know, it's a, it makes the show feel that much more impressive. Um, I don't know if they have plans for Ambrose and Rollins though. So, I mean, I don't. I I kind of like them as a tag team at the moment. I could. I'm 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 50 50 on this one. Um, you said the bar. I'm gonna go with the bar. <sighs> um, jeez, I'm uh, I'm
2: I'm having trouble. I don't know who. I just don't know what they do. I don't know what they do. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna
3: go with Ambrose and Rollins only because I
2: don't know what the next step is if the bar win. I feel the same way about the Usos' New Day feud on SmackDown is. There's not really a lot of other tag teams for them to work with. It's like these two and then, you know, Gals and Anderson or the Hype Bros or whatever, depending on the show. So, yeah. Yeah. Let's keep trading it. All right. Now what really matters. John Cena versus Roman Reigns
3: in a singles match for um, all of the infamy in the it's world. It's a grudge
2: match, as they used to say on the posters for house shows. They should just call it a work shoot match. <laughs> there, there might be some potatoes flying in this match. Oh, uh, I think they will. I think they're going
3: to. I think that this is going to be. Well, I'm not, I don't know what I think. I would not be surprised if they work some shooty elements into
2: this. At the same time. In the John, first, the first five minutes of this match. John Cena is one of the safest professional wrestlers that there is, uh, sometimes to his detriment with the smart mark crowd. And I don't think that he's looking to get potatoed. <laughs> he's a movie star. Uh, but maybe, maybe there'll be some stiff shots at the beginning, like you said, for the, for the heat portion and, uh and all that stuff, but I think I'm going to go with John Cena because that's what I want. Uh, we mentioned it, you mentioned it
3: earlier, but but Roman's promo on Monday
2: was really good. It was stellar.
3: It was great. Every t- Monday night I'm watching wrestling with my girl, with the valet, and every Monday she ha- makes me explain to her why people hate Roman Reigns. And I do. I mean, it's like, they, we don't hate Roman. We hate WWE for pushing Roman. Um, but like, she has just hasn't watched as much and was kind of not watching at all for a while, and she just looks at him every Monday night, and she's well, first of all, he's a very attractive dude, but also <laughs> I think she's just like he's—he's he's very good at being at being a pro wrestler. At, as, when he's on the mic, he's—I mean, he's not as bad as I think we're—we I think we over criticize. We do in the ring, certainly we over criticize.
2: But let me tell you why that was such a good promo, because he was cutting a heel promo. Yeah, it was all the hallmarks of a great heel promo, and he delivered it. To perfection, because that's what he should be doing, and that's where the frustration comes from. So the heat that he uh, he has already gets compounded by the fact that we can see it. You can't see it. You can't see that he's obviously better at this than he yeah. is at this other thing. Here's the
3: problem, though. He did. He cut the best heel promo of his career. I don't. I mean, maybe the first time he came out and did the I'm not. I'm, I'm the guy promo. Maybe I don't know. One of the best promos of his career on Monday Night Total heel promo, and at, by the end of the Promo. The crowd was behind him. Yep. He got out of the ring and slapped hands. People Be- were loving it. Everybody was just like, and it was. It was like, it wasn't even like, oh, the smart marks are happy. It's like everybody in the crowd was just like, yeah, you made a really strong point there, Roman Reigns. <laughs> Congratulations.
2: <laughs> like we with solid, solid debate skills. Because it's not real heel heat what he has, whereas the Miz has real heel heat. Yeah, Roman Reigns has this strange, just like amalgamation of frustration with the booking and frustration with the fact and, that he's not a heel. But then, you know, everybody always says, when he's a heel, people are going to love it. And I think you see this too when like he wrestles matches and people kind of get into the matches by the end, even
3: if you're booing him on the way in what the the what the reason why we boo Roman Reigns like i said blaming WWE for pushing him there but there's also it's just like with Jinder Mahal there's the preconception that he doesn't deserve the position that he's getting and then he wrestles a good match or like on monday he cuts a great promo and by the end of it you're like oh he does deserve this it's like hard for me to boo right now well,
1: you there, know
2: there's a moment there was a moment for cena where he got over that hump finally and that really didn't come until his trilogy with AJ Styles and people said, oh, yeah, he's really good at this. The mass acceptance of that point. Yeah. yeah. I,
3: I mean, clearly, like he was having good matches with Punk and people's eyes were opening then and then the U.S. Open Challenge. And, but yeah, I, you're, you're totally right. It's, it just takes a while for it to sink in. And I think that's what Pritchard said it on the show this week talking about Jeff Jarrett, um, which was a incredible, incredible four hours for an old <laughs> Memphis fan like me. Uh, but he, they they made they they made the point, and Conrad I think really pinned it down that like the way that you perceive the re, the, the way that fans will start perceiving somebody as a, as a number one contender is to put them in a match for the title. Yep. Right. You can't just like just allude to it. You know, you can't just have like a ranking system and they're climbing up the charts. You got to put them in the main event, and yep. that's how you figure it out. And with someone like Roman Reigns or Cena, it's like it's got to just sink in. You know, I mean, it's got to like we after a while it becomes you know fabrication becomes reality. Whatever. We got to move on. Brock Lesnar versus Braun Strowman. Uh, real slobber knocker potential here.
2: Yeah. I got to say, this is, there's a potential for. There's. Oh, wait. We didn't do picks. Cena versus Reigns. Oh, I picked John Cena just because that's who I think should win this match. That's definitely who should
3: win. I'm going to yeah. go with Roman Reigns because I think that's what they'll do. Uh, Lesnar versus Strowman. There's the potential for this to be five minutes long. Yeah. Or, you know, five minutes with an extra five minutes of schmaz. There's a potential for this to be like a really great match because both these guys can go. I don't think that, I think that there's I don't think this is a 25 minute match but like there's I think my, I'm just going to get it out of the way my prediction is Brock Lesnar because despite the way that I fantasy booked it earlier in the show I think that this is a really straight line between here and WrestleMania for Brock and I think that Braun has a potential to really you know open more eyes as if he hasn't opened enough already um but yeah, I don't think this is going to be a squash but I feel like I, th- I don't feel like he's going to play a big role in Brock Lesnar's life over the next few months. I hope I'm wrong. I could be totally wrong.
2: Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I think this, in just in terms of the work, I would love for this to be an Attitude Era style main event where it's 15 minutes and five of that is just wandering through the crowd, punching each other mm-hmm. and going up onto the stage oh, yeah. and doing spots up there. That's probably not going to happen because of it's not a no DQ, no count out match. Well, so, yeah, they they've announced those things the moment before the match any number of times. Yeah. I mean WrestleMania 17 is the ultimate example of that. Yeah. That became a no disqualification match, and you're like, what? Oh, that must play into the finish. Uh, but I would say that this is gonna be seven minutes of, you know, some testing and and some suplexes and in and, and high spots and then finish that's going to involve someone being hurt very badly. I think that's the best way to end a match like this, <clears> is not to have a, a a submission or a pinfall, but someone takes a huge bump. And just the suplex
3: that the breaks the ring. Cannot continue. Yeah, I think I think that that's right. And I hope that they do it. I hope they book it just like you said. That's really smart. Um, <sighs> my real hope for this match is that Braun Strowman, with all of his time in the main event, this is a kayfabe point I hope that Braun Strowman, after all after a lengthy career now at the and a lot of it at the top of the card, I hope he can afford some pants
2: <laughs> that weren't stitched together out of previous pants. <laughs> um Yeah, he's been out of that cult for a long time. He hasn't changed his look up. I like the look overall. It's the pants are distracting. Sure. To me. Yeah. They you've look- seen those pants in person too, up close. Yeah, Yeah, they bothered you more when we saw them in person. I feel like he got a new pair of pants recently. And so it's like a really clean looking patchwork pair
3: of pants, Mm. which just is silly. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm looking too much into this. Those pants are dumb, though. (laughs) Don't tell that to his face. Uh, No, they're not. They're they're, I don't. Yeah, he will eat you. He will absolutely destroy me like a giant T-bone steak. Um, Your pick for this is Braun. No, it's going to be a no contest. Oh, absolutely no! Oh, I thought you meant like a no contact, like a both men incapacitated, but a hand over the stomach for a pin or something.
2: Um, I don't think you can do a pinfall on Braun Strowman right now. I think it's a terrible idea for him to lose. But at the same time, Brock Lesnar is not dropping the belt as much as we all want him to, and and to give Braun Strowman a big moment and to yeah. anoint him as a, a top guy. I think it's going to be something where the ring breaks or someone goes through the uh, announced table by the stage because it's a raw pay-per-view or someone goes through something like we got to stop it. And at the same time, that's good, That could really upset people, but it could upset people in the sense that they want to see a rematch or something like that. You just need to keep Braun Strowman strong. I think that's more important than anything else in this match.
3: Um, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I agree. You know what? I'm going to pick Braun Strowman for, to be our new champion contrary to everything that I, that I actually said about it because I just hope it, I hope it's true so much.
2: That's how I'm I'm feeling about the scene of matches. I'm just going to will it into existence. And if I'm wrong, I'll take the heat on the internet. Um, all right, man, taking heat on the
3: internet is, is a lot. I mean, there's really, (laughs) there's really nothing more you could do in life, uh, than take heat on the internet. It's one of the bravest things you could possibly say. Um, all right, it's also worth pointing out as we make these predictions that the next raw pay per view is TLC, yep. uh, October twenty second.
2: Strowman Lesnar two TLC match. I'm there for that. Yeah, hey, that's
3: I'm I'm totally second guessing everything that I said. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I'm staying true to my pick. Um, my my deepest wish that Braun Strowman get, goes over. Um, it's going to be a fun show. I mean, Damn. really, this is a stacked card. Yeah. I mean, every it's the right size. Every match has something I'm interested in. Uh, I could not be more excited about a show for this. Thank
2: you, WWE, for having this huge show in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. It's been a while since we've had a, a show of this magnitude. So I'm stoked that we're going to be there. It's going to be awesome.
3: Yeah. We're going to be there when, like, you know, five minutes into the Stroman lesnar match, like, Roman Reigns runs in and beats them both up, and that's the end of the show. <laughs>
2: wow man you've been in my dreams
3: uh I how really, did you know i hope that i hope that for everyone listening out there that that we're, we're always in your dreams thanks for listening we actually got to get out of here this line's probably going to get edited out that's how long we've gone today
2: <laughs> um uh let me plug my piece my, my oh, rick flair profile uh, i wrote a, a profile awesome of rick piece. and charlotte flair uh, that's on bleacher report uh it was great to talk to rick I'm glad he's doing better and uh, I encourage you to check it out. Um it's a really good piece. You should check it out. Uh yeah, I wrote
3: I wrote about Bobby Heenan this week. Um that was also great. Uh and I'm doing this podcast right now. You should check that out. <laughs> um the one that you're listening to. Yes, and please, God. Uh, enjoy the pay-per-view on Sunday. Uh you know, Bobby Heenan, the greatest of all time. I call everyone that listens to the ever listen to me talk humanoids. And it's because he's the greatest of all time. I mean, he's, there's he's no question. There's, there's nobody, there's never going to be anybody like him again.
2: Oh, Oh, one more thing before we get to maudlin about Bobby Heenan. Uh, I will be at the Pritchard show live taping with Dan and Jim and shoemaker will not be there because he's got the valet's birthday. Mm-hmm. But if you are dying to meet us, because we're not doing any sort of like meetup thing, you can come see us there. Yeah. Buy a Um, ticket to that thing. It's going to be great. Right.
3: Dave Schilling, uh, if you've never seen him before, um, it just looks exactly like uh, Bruce Pritchard. So it's going to be really hard to tell him apart.
2: That's ridiculous.
3: No, he doesn't look anything like Bruce Pritchard. You can Google him and find. Actually, go to his Charlotte Flair piece because his picture is his mug is right there on the page. Sorry. We got to get out of here. Brain, you're always going to be in our thoughts. Uh, Apologies to Dean Ambrose. This has been the Masked Man Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, humanoids. Tony Schiavone here on the Masked Man Show. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are
1: rolling. We'll see you next week on the Masked Man Show.